Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Thank you so much, team. God bless. Thank you for leading us and serving us this morning. And uh, thank you to everyone who serves across so many areas. My wife, Rhonda, is up in the uh, parents' room right now serving our youngest generations up there and the mums and the dads that uh, really have a child that needs a bit of quiet space. So thank you for that, Rhonda, up there and all the team, by the way. Uh, I know uh, Chris and Di and Mark, Michael and Sharon and Eileen down here and I'm not sure who else. Kate, I think you get up there sometimes, don't you? And well done. Thank you to everyone who's online with us as well. And uh, so much has been going on. Last week, of course, I was in Vietnam uh, at this time last Sunday. And I've been in Thailand for a couple of days. Ended up being there a day longer than we'd planned with a a visa mishap. But I eventually got through into Vietnam. We had uh, 70 pastors originally that were coming together for a pastor's conference. But good news travels fast. We ended up with 120 uh, in that space. And Uh, People so hungry for God. And uh, some of those people had come from the China border, by the way, had uh, travelled for 14 hours to come down for two days of pastor's conference. And God moved. And it was an exciting time to be there. And thank you for the part you play in that. My travel costs are covered by our movement. And so this church doesn't do that. But, you know, we as a church, we sow everywhere we go. And so you as a church out of destiny offering, you didn't know about it till now, but you have sown into Vietnam uh, and into church planting into that nation. We believe that uh, those 70 churches are just the beginning of what God wants to do. Uh, we'll be hosting in Malaysia an All Asia Conference in April next year. You are all welcome to go. I'll be there. Uh, during school holidays. We'll let you know when that's coming up. Uh, But there'll be people there from Indonesia, from Singapore, from Malaysia, from India, Indonesia, Vietnam, lots of places gathering together. It's going to be quite a a brilliant time, I know. So thank you for everyone with that. But then, you know, uh, home is where the heart is, isn't it? And heart is where the home is. And I know that uh, our heart as a church is a very big heart. So there's a lot of places we get to call home. But, you know, I thank God for all the things that happen here as well. This week was the Hope Lunch and so many people were, uh, they were crowded in there. I spoke to some of the team who said it was absolutely hectic. Uh, Well, we like hectic. Uh, That was fantastic. Gabby was telling us in mingle time about his team that, uh, uh, reaching out through Red Frogs, not waiting for leavers, but are reaching out already. Uh, he had 65 young adults at a barbecue this week, uh, 65 young adults who are in the midst of exams and are really wanting some place of encouragement. So well done, Gabby, and all your team with that, all right? Let's go to the Word quickly together. We'll come to the vision and all the other things that Pastor Bruce will lead us in a little bit later. But I just want to speak to you today a word that I feel has been bubbling away in my heart for a lot longer than one week. I feel like it's been over a year or more. Uh, Deuteronomy is the book where Moses is really giving his final speech to the children of Israel after 40 years of wandering through a wilderness 
while the unbelieving generation die off and the believing generation rises up, Moses begins his final speech to them before they start to go over into the promised land. And so we'll pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 20 says this, When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of the testimonies? They were things that they put up to remind them of God's past faithfulness and His future promises. What's the meaning of them? What's the meaning of these statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God has commanded us? Then you shall say to your son, you shall remind your children, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. It's good for every one of us to be reminded occasionally of where our life started, the life without God. Some of you here have grown up in church all your life. You didn't go through great brokenness or emptiness, but there still came a point where you recognised your need of Christ. Others of you grew up in homes where the name of Jesus was never mentioned, or if it was, may have been even used as a curse word. Some of you have come out of backgrounds of such incredible brokenness that the, the coming of Jesus into your life was more than a born again experience. It was a save your life experience. And so it's good for us to remember every one of us has a beginning point with God. And he says, I want you to remind your children of that. Tell them this is what God did. Verse 22, it says, And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in. I'm going to say that again. He brought us out so that he might bring us in. Listen to me, there is a reason why God saved you. There is a reason why the grace of God reached to you. God didn't do it just uh, because He felt sorry for you or because He wanted to bring you to heaven. There is a divine purpose for every life on the earth. He brought you out so that He could bring you in. And He didn't want to just bring you alone in. He wanted to bring you and all of your household. The Greek word for household is the Greek word oikos, which means sphere of influence. In other words, when God brings salvation to someone's life, He's intending it to be the starting point for their entire sphere of influence. Think of everybody that you have some relationship with, everybody that you have a voice to, every person that will listen to you, every person that somehow or other would respect your opinion, you are meant and I am meant to be a part of reaching those people for Christ, a part of bringing salvation to that household. He says He brought you out that He might bring you in. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 7, next chapter, verse 1. When the Lord your God, when the Lord your God, when the Lord your God, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, when the Lord your God, not if, when the Lord brings you in to the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. 
He doesn't say it's all over by the shouting. He doesn't say it's easy. He doesn't say there'll be no difficulty. He doesn't say that we'll require no effort. He doesn't say, by the way, I'm bringing you in and you can lay back while I smooth the path and make it easy for you to come. He says, no, there will be enemies there, but I'm promising you that I've given you the land. Now go in and possess the land that God has for you. And so over the past year or more for me, often when I come to pray and this is the way I do it, I I usually don't come with a shopping list to God. I come with a listening ear to God. And before I start, often when I'm driving in here or wherever it is that I'm going to pray, for me last Saturday, I took an hour in the afternoon and I walked around Ho Chi Minh City. Now it's a big, big place. But I took an hour walking around. I've got a notebook in hand. I do not know what they think of this large Westerner walking around, stopping every 10 yards or so, scribbling into his notebook, uh, muttering away to himself. I figure they don't understand me anyway. So I may as well pray in tongues to be done with it. Uh, Who knows? Maybe one day it'll turn out to be Vietnamese. But anyhow, uh, so when I'm doing that, I often will say, You know, I look to God to listen and so many times I've heard him say broad place or large place or or, or something greater and that sense of what God has in front of us. This church is 35 years young. 35 years ago on February the 7th, back in 1988, this church launched for the first day. And if you were to say to me, well, you know, uh, we've seen a lot and, and God's done a lot. I would always say to you that I believe not just because I'm an optimist, but because I hear the Holy Spirit. I would say to you, I believe that the greatest days and the best days of this church are the days ahead of us, not the days that are behind us, not the days of some great move years ago, but the days that God has ahead of us. I believe that there is still land and and place that we are meant to possess as a church. And so I keep hearing the Holy Spirit speak to me about a large place and that largeness is ahead of us and that greater than this is our future. But let me talk to you about what it will require for us to possess a larger place than where we are. Number one, a larger place always, 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 always begins with a larger you. A larger place always starts with a larger you. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 22, God tells these people that have been waiting 40 years, He tells them, I'm giving you the land. There are enemies there, but you will conquer them. You will possess the land. But watch the condition or or the, the way it's going to happen. He says, and the Lord God will drive those nations out before you, little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. What a strange thing to say. We would leave it vacant. We would go in and possess the land and put up a fence. God says, I'm going to drive them out, but you're going to possess it little by little, not because God is testing you, not because He's drip feeding it out a little bit at a time, 
But he says, until you grow, you won't be able to possess all that I have for you. You'd fill a corner of the space and that would be where you'd stop unless you grow. Think about that a minute. Many Christians have inhabited only a corner of what God has for their life. Something has stopped them growing. I'm speaking this morning about this because some of you may have encountered an obstacle or a disappointment or an offence or who knows what, some difficulty that got in your road and you've put up the sign saying, thus far no more, I'm not going to grow any further than this. Trust me, uh, before I ever preach to you, long before you hear it, it's already preaching to me and I'm already being challenged by it. I don't think I've ever preached a word to you as a church that has not challenged my life. And so I stand with you today in hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit say, Jeff, will you continue to grow? Will you allow me to enlarge you? Or will you decide, look, God, I'm really happy with what I've got. I've gone enough. I've paid enough price. I've sacrificed enough. I've committed enough. Now, God, can I just settle back? Can I have a rocking chair on the veranda? Or am I going to be the kind of person that understands that if I'm going to possess everything God has for me, I have to continue to grow. He says, I'm going to give it to you a little bit by little bit. I hope you get this because what he's saying is, you, you listen to me, you will get as much as you are prepared to grow for. Have you got that? You'll have as much of the Holy Spirit as you are prepared to grow for. You'll have as much influence as you are prepared to grow for. You will have as much blessing. So many people get blessed where they go, I've paid off my mortgage, my, my retirement secure, and that's enough. Well, that would be enough if it was about you. That's you taking a corner of the land. But what if God had for you something far greater? What if what He wanted you to do was to possess all the land? He says, Jeff, if you want to possess all the land, you must continue to grow. How much I possess is determined by how much I grow in my life, for sure. Here's the second thing. Without a larger you, you can't retain what He gives you. Unless I continue to grow, I won't keep it. He said there in verse 1, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you will possess. Possessing, it means it's mine, it's my home. Like I stayed in three hotels last week. I did not possess one room. I rented a room. I didn't possess them, they weren't mine. But when I came home, I possessed my house, me and the bank. I possessed the house. And so that's mine. And so I go around and it's mine and I can do what I like with what's mine. I can put a nail in here. I can change that there because it's mine. I possess it. Too many of us have a, like we talk about having a visitation from God. I don't want really, honestly, God to visit me. I want God to inhabit me. Amen. I don't want a God who visits Metro once a year when we have a convention. I want a God 
who lingers in Metro Church. I don't want a God who, who simply moves by His Spirit according to whichever guest is in the platform. I want one who regardless of who it is and what their name or title is, God moves every single time. Amen. And I believe that that's what God has for every one of us. Without a larger you, you can't even retain what He gives you. You just visit it. How many people are touched by God and they say to God, oh God, this is it now. And now from now on, I'm going to be it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to give and I'm going to tithe and I'm going to serve. And the moment they get offended in that team they serve in, they withdraw. See, they couldn't possess. They visited are you with me? Now you're looking at me like I'm giving you a, a rebuke, but I'm not. Not unless I'm rebuking me as well. I just am challenged by the greatness of what God might have for me. And I don't want to just look out of my front yard and, and go and say, oh, there's the, there's the fence. I can't go any further than the fence. Oh, I can only go that far. Because who knows what God has for us to possess as a church. Number three is I grow by how I respond to difficulties and distress. Now you can start going, oh, no, I knew this was coming. Psalm 4 verse 1. Hear me, O God, of my righteousness. You've enlarged me when I was in distress. Oh, have mercy on me, Lord. Hear my prayer. God, I'm in the middle of this and I hate it. You've got to be kidding How did I get here? Why me? And God goes, come on, let's get up. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not yea, though I stop there. Not yea, though I put up a tent. Not yea, though I camp there. Not yea, though I find reverse gear and get out of there. But yea, though I walk through. Amen. You're never going to get to the table spread before your enemies and your head anointed with oil and your cup running over and goodness and mercy following all the days of because it's on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. Come on. I think we are stronger and better and more, more infused by the Holy Spirit than to be the kind of people that find reverse gear in our life or somehow rather shrink back from the things that are, are difficult. The word distress there doesn't mean pain or sorrow. It means being in a narrow or a tight place. And so I, I grow by how I respond to difficulties, but also how I respond to the challenge of vision. Amen. I don't know about the rest of you here. Vision challenges me. It stretches me. You know, I'm like everybody else. I think on the planet, I really would like an easy life. Raise your hand if that's you. Amen. That, well, that's me anyhow. I don't know about the rest of you here. I would like a life that's got uh, no more problems. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My Christmas album's coming out soon. (laughs) See, I want that. 
And then vision turns up. And God says, I know you're shy, but too bad. I know you're reluctant, but so what? I know you think you can't, but it's irrelevant. And I go, who's that speaking? Are you sure about this? Are you, are you, are you hello? Come on there. Listen, God is in the business of, of comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable. Come on now. Luke 9 verse 62, Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you don't go to heaven. The word fit there means to be well placed. In other words, he's saying, if, if, you, if you live your life like this, A, I tell you, you'll never plough the ground properly. You'll plough in circles. And if you find your life going in circles, I'll guarantee it's because you're ploughing like this. Huh? You're looking at where you've been, not where you're going. Vision always says to me, come on, get up from where you are. You can do this. You can move forward. I become larger by how I respond to difficulties, distress, and the challenge of vision. Here's number four. Save your ifs for later. I can just stop right there and have an altar call right now and just pray. Oh God, help every person here who right now is saying, oh God, if, but what if? And what if? Amen. How many people here have got a degree in what if? Just a couple of hands went up. What if? What if? Save your ifs for later. Psalm 124 verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say. Not while you're in it. When it's over, you can say, gee, if the Lord hadn't helped me. Now may Israel say, Psalm 129 verse 1. Many a time they've afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say. It's okay to look back and say, if God hadn't have been there, if God hadn't helped. But can I say to you that declaring your ifs while you're in it will only point you in the wrong direction. It'll only be a distraction to your life. If you're in the midst right now of a health challenge, a financial one, a family one, a relational one, and you are living off the ifs. Well, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, oh, but what if? What if they say, what if this happens? What if my job? And if you live like that, you point in the wrong direction and your prayers will be weak and tenuous. They won't have strength to them. You've got to save your ifs for afterwards. Amen. Save your ifs for later. Many of us, maybe most of us, we come through trials and we learn the wrong lessons. We come through a trial and we say to people, I hope that never happens again. Oh, wow. I did not realise how weak I was. I was really struggling. Wrong lesson. Can you imagine if Peter, after he walked on water, got back into the boat and said to the disciples, I'm never doing that again. What an idiot. Who was I to think I could walk on water? You know, I sank. Ha ha. I proved I'm no good at it. I'm never doing. No more risk taking for me. 
from now on, I'm going to be known as the play it safe guy. Can I tell you, if Peter had learnt that lesson out of walking on the water, there would have been no voice on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 getting saved. There would have been no one at the house of Cornelius hearing the Holy Spirit say, don't call common or unclean what I've called clean and opening up the door for Gentiles for the first time to come into salvation and into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. That never would have occurred. But he learnt the right lesson. I can get out of the boat. I can try. Oh, I stumbled a bit for a point there, but Jesus helped me. Immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and grabbed him, saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He learnt the right lesson. The wrong lesson is, I hope that never happens again. The right lesson is, I'm bigger than my trials. It did not defeat me. Hello, you're here. Amen. That thing said to you, you're finished. Guess what? It was wrong. But so many people come out and they learn the wrong lesson. Are you learning the right lesson? Come on. I'm not talking to robots here. I'm not talking to people that don't live real lives and have real pain and real challenges. Are you learning the right lesson out of what you've been through? Oh, yeah, oh, you know, my family's such a screw up. They're never going to be any good. Wrong lesson. Right lesson. God, you've been faithful. You've helped me, God. You've helped me, God. Amen. There's a blessing on my life for not only me and my family now, but there's a blessing on my life for the next generation. We sang it somewhere or other I was this weekend, I think, speaking. Uh, you know, for a thousand generations. We were singing that song. I don't even know what it's called. Is it the blessing? And we were singing that and I thought, God, I've thought too small. I've been praying for my, my wife. I've been praying for my children. We pray for our grandchildren every week. And I thought, God, you said a thousand generations. I've missed out 997 generations of my descendants. I haven't even thought about them. So now I'm going to start praying for my grandchildren's children. And none of them are even old enough to get married yet. But some of them one day will. I should start praying for that generation. And then the generation, you say, Jesus will be back. Well, that's okay. My prayer won't be wasted. Amen. Better that than go, I'm not going to pray nothing. Jesus is going to be back tomorrow. Well, maybe he will and maybe you're wrong. Amen. Are you with me here today? I know you are. Come on. Learn the right lessons out of what you go through in life. Here's number five. I'm destined and designed for larger places. Think about these people a minute. They stand there listening to Moses and you've been living in a wilderness. Sand, no trees, rocks that pour water out. Miracles, it's wonderful. And you've grown up and then he reminds you that you used to be slaves because these people were kids. They're now the adults. So they are also so aware of it all. And he says to them, you're going to be conquerors. You're going to drive out seven kings. And they're going, really? I thought I was a slave. I'm used to taking orders. You mean I'm going to start giving them? And there had to come a phenomenal shift in the way they saw themselves. I mean, do you see yourself the way God sees you? Or do you only see yourself the way your school told you you were? Or your parents? Or your lack of parents? 
or the kids in the classroom or somebody or other else, your first boss, your last boss, your current boss. Is that what you see? Or have you got inside of you? This thing goes, hold a second here. According to Jesus, I'm king and priest. Amen. Much more they that have received abundance of grace shall rule and reign in life. Not in heaven, in life. Amen. Do you believe and declare this favour over my life? Wherever I go, blessing follows me in Jesus' name. Amen. Everywhere I put my hand, blessing comes. Every place I put the sole of my foot, that's mine. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 23, The Lord your God will deliver them over to you. He'll inflict defeat upon them until they're destroyed. Number six, last one here. It's all by grace. Uh, Now, uh, let me me just unpack this a little for you because grace is the most commonly commonly used word in Christendom. Amazing grace. And we talk about grace and we we use grace as like a a blanket God throws over the shivering, you know, uh, a covering He puts over the sinful, as though somehow or other grace is like, ah, yeah, whatever. But that's really such a small picture of what grace is about. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. He's chosen you to be a people for Himself, a special treasure over all the peoples on the face of the earth. Do you believe that? Oh, I'm nothing really. God, I'm nobody. God, I'm a, God if I was God, I'd kill me. God, I don't know why you bother. I'm a worm and no man. When I was a little kid, we used to say these prayers. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. Pity my simplicity. I'm sorry I'm such a dill. Suffer me to come to thee. Like Jesus back there going, I don't like the look of you, but oh, all right then. Verse 7. The Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people because you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you. Because the Lord loved you. And because He kept the oath which He swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out. He said to them, forget about all the things you try to do to earn my favour. Listen to me. If it's by grace, then it's... start. Listen. It starts in grace. Listen, it has to continue in grace. The real message of grace is not that for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, Ephesians 2 verse 8. But it's the gift of God. It's that grace is not just my starting point. Grace is my journey. Amen. Come on. Come on. God is not going to do it because you were good last week. He's not going to heal you because last week you tithed. He's not going to heal you because last week you, you, know, you, you, you kind of fellowshiped or you didn't do too many sins. If it's by grace, it's not just my starting point, it's my entire journey. By grace, grace is what carries me through. Grace is more than His pardon, it's His promotion to partnership. Grace is, lifts me out of sin and puts me into sonship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. 
Thank you for challenging us, Lord, to grow because we do want to possess everything you have for us individually, in our families, in our communities, in our ministries, in our church life. Lord, as Metro, we want to possess everything. We don't want to say we're too busy or it's too hard or it's too much, or we don't. We, God, want to say to You, oh God, help us to possess all the land and help us to grow. God, if people are walking through difficulty, let it be a difficulty that they turn around at the end and say, if God hadn't helped me, but He did. If it's vision that's challenging us, oh God, continue to speak it to us. Don't give up on us, Lord, because our first response is one of, wow, God, help us to go forward in Jesus' Name. Help us to go forward in Jesus' Name. Help us to go forward, Lord, in the mighty Name of Jesus. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. You know, I I was thinking this, well, well, I never thought it. I'd have to say, really, the Lord opened my eyes to it. So I went back and checked. David never called Goliath a giant. Not once. He called him, called him a Philistine, a pagan, an uncircumcised Philistine. Never once does David call him a giant. His picture of it was different. Everyone else said, that's a giant, we can't. He just said, no, he's just another enemy, that's all. Joshua and Caleb never called the inhabitants of the land giants. They just said they're bred for us. Let me challenge you today. What are you saying about the things in front of you? Are you calling those things giants that are too big? God, I've had this addiction for so long, I'll never get beyond it. Or are you saying, no, this thing's going to crumble before the mighty name of Jesus? Amen. What a beautiful thing it is to worship God. Christ is our firm foundation, the rock on which we stand. We'll sing it again in a few minutes. Pastor Bruce is coming in a few seconds to help us with just a lot of the stuff that's going on and you know, we, we banned announcements in this church. I banned everyone calling them that. I said, we don't announce anything. What we do is we declare vision. So when Pastor Bruce is sharing the things that are happening, never kind of check out on them. Never think, well, you know, they're, they're, he's telling us data. It's not about that. Last night, Rhonda and I were at the Metro Adults. They had a dinner down at Cicerello's. And I don't know what age it is for Metro Adults. I just know is. We're all young at heart and sprightly and springy. And it was such a great night. Whether it's that or it's the Red Frogs or the Hope Lunch, whatever it is, understand God is speaking vision to our life. Thank you for the way you partner with us. With us, I mean with God really, in the whole of vision. When I go to Vietnam, I don't go there, Jeff Woodward, some separate minister, I go there, they talk about Metro Church. I spoke yesterday at another denomination for their conference and they talk about this church. It's what God's done in you that speaks loudest. So thank you for your giving. I want to pray over our giving right now. I know much of it is electronic. That's okay. Some of you give cash. I saw it just yesterday. The cash points below and above. You can give there or at the Connect Hub. 
But Father, over our giving to vision, God, I pray that there'll always be that largeness of spirit in us that doesn't look at our needs, but looks at our seeds. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless every giver, their home and their life in the name of Jesus.